Hello everyone, this is DJ Stacks, and thank you for listening to Just Another Sports Podcast. Um, I am the guitarist and vocalist and bassist for Burnout 35, a startup rock band in Southern California. And today, even though this is a football, basketball, and boxing podcast, we will only be looking at NFL free agency, and we will be looking at it through the most impactful moves for all 32 teams. Now, I think I'm going to go from bottom to top. Although we may go top to bottom, just depends on how I'm feeling. So thanks for tuning in. So, if I can check my document here. Let's see. Yeah, I'll go from bottom to top. So, the worst team in free agency was the Seattle Seahawks. Now, even though it was very predictable, they lost Earl Thomas, which was a terrible, terrible thing for them. They were able to keep their defensive core together. They re-signed K.J. Wright, but his departure leaves them without their most experienced defender and an all-pro eraser on the secondary. And the Seahawks didn't even make an... The fact that the Seahawks didn't even make an effort to re-sign Thomas, so how happy they were to move on and get a third-round compensatory pick in 2020, but the loss of him increases their need to restock with playmakers. So overall, their key additions for this were Mike Upati, left guard, they got a place kicker, Jason Myers. However, they did lose Earl Thomas, as I said before, Justin Coleman, a cornerback, and J.R. Sweezy, a left guard, although he was replaced. Moving on, the Philadelphia Eagles. What an interesting offseason, an interesting free agency so far. They picked up wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, which gives Doug Peterson the exact deep threat his offense needs. But, you know, Carson Wentz's long ball numbers, they're about to skyrocket. They're going to be huge now that he's partnered up with one of the best downfield receivers in NFL history. So overall, their key additions, Deshaun Jackson. They also picked up Malik Jackson, the defensive tackle, and Vinny Curry, a defensive end. Although, they lost Jordan Hicks, who is an outside, I believe an outside linebacker. I'm going to look that up real quick. Jordan Hicks. Yes, Jordan Hicks, outside linebacker. And they also lost their quarterback, or their backup quarterback, Nick Foles. And someone will say, oh, he's a backup, it's okay. But he has been pretty clutch for them in many scenarios. So, I I can't say much more than that. You know, he's signed by the Jaguars for not record-breaking money, but pretty big. Now the Vikings. It's kind of hard to judge whether the Vikings prioritizing the use of their limited salary cap by keeping Anthony Warren Everson Griffin over going after top-tier O-linemen was the right choice until their impact can be judged in this season. Barr is a staple in Mike Zimmer's defense, and Griffin is one of the top pass rushers. But it also feels like Minnesota kind of missed the mark this year by failing to address the line at the start of the new league year. And Josh Klein was the only addition to the interior of the line, and it's kind of problematic, especially after the Vikings saw the departures of Nick Easton, Tom Compton, and Mike Remmers. Now, I'm sorry if I just went over this and forgot because I recorded this in two separate clips, but the Vikings' key additions this offseason were Anthony Barr at linebacker, Josh Klein at right guard, and Dan Bailey at kicker. However, they did lose Sheldon, their defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson, running back Latavius Murray, and Nick Easton, their left guard. Now, moving on to the below average. Those are the incomplete free agency teams. Now we're moving, looking at some of the, sorry, not moving, looking at some of the, not as impactful, but still pretty good. The Bucks re-signed Donovan Smith, 
They let Quan Alexander walk, and they traded Deshaun Jackson. But the biggest move the Bucks made was one they actually didn't make. Rather than freeing up $13 million in salary cap space by cutting or trading Gerald McCoy, they kept him. Bruce Arians was non-committal about McCoy at the NFL owners' meeting, but sources tell me and ESPN that the Bucks would entertain an offer for him. Keeping McCoy in free agency, though, really limited the Bucks' ability to bring in playmakers. So their key additions this offseason were Shaquille Barrett at outside linebacker, Deion Buchanan at inside linebacker, and Brashad Perryman at wide receiver. But they also lost Corn Alexander at inside linebacker, Adam Humphreys at slot receiver, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is their backup quarterback. Now, I know this feels kind of monotone, just like a list, but I don't have any co-hosts right now. I'm working on finding other people to do this podcast with me. So I hope that you can, you can enjoy this content for now and enjoy the material I'm bringing you. Um, I would also like to plug really quick that I want to start a fantasy football podcast really soon. Um, so if you're interested in fantasy and you want to hear my rankings and my mock drafts and stuff like that, you can go ahead and tune into that. Um, actually, you can't go ahead because I haven't started it yet. But if this episode is well received, then I will probably start making a fantasy podcast. So please keep listening. Now our next team, the New York Giants. Now it's kind of strange that the Giants traded a 26-year-old guy for assets that will reap benefits down the road while signing a 31-year-old at the same position for $23 million guaranteed. But Golden Tate has still got a few years left and he has a skill set that would I think will work really well in Pat Shermer's offense. So overall the Giants' key additions were Golden Tate at receiver, Jabril Peppers at safety, and Kevin Zietler at the guard position. But the reason that I think they have one of the worst offseasons is that they traded Odell Beckham Jr., Landon Co- they lost Landon Collins, and they traded Olivier Vernon. Enough said. Our next team, the Miami Dolphins. While they traded Ryan Tannehill to the Patricks, they signed another Ryan in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they have a new era for the at quarterback for this team. Tannehill has been the Dolphins' starter since 2012, and his departure means that Miami will be looking for a franchise quarterback in the draft, be it in 2019 or in 2020. Fitzpatrick, I think he will serve as a veteran stopgap for a rebuilding team. You know, he'll keep him together enough that they can get, like, four wins so they can get a good pick, you know? So, overall, the key additions. Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Eric Rowe at cornerback, and Dwayne Allen at tight end. However, they lost Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, Jawan James, one of the best right tackles in the NFL, and Cameron Wake, a great pass-rushing defensive end. Moving on to the Houston Texans. Not great, but still had a pretty good offseason. Even with good seasons from Tyron Matthew, Kareem Jackson, and Justin Reed, the Texans still allowed an average of 260 passing yards per game, which was 8th in the, sorry, not 8th, 28th in the NFL in 2018. Deshaun Gibson will replace Matthew, who signed a deal with the Chiefs, and will play alongside Reed, who was impre- pretty impressed last season. The Texans hope, sorry, Reed, if I didn't make it that clear, Andy Reed, the Chiefs coach, who was quite impressed last season with this play. The Texans hope Gibson will be pretty effective against opposing tight ends. Last season, he was able to hold Gronkowski to two catches for 15 yards on four targets against him. Not many safeties can say that. For comparison against the Texans in 2018, the Patriots' tight end had 7 receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown on 8 targets. So, considering his play, 
you have to give them credit for it. However, they did lose Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, pretty big. So overall, key additions, they picked up Deshaun Gibson. They also picked up Bradley Roby at cornerback to bolster that secondary even more. And they got A.J. McCarron, who will be a solid backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson. However, they lost Tyron Matthew, as we already said, and Kareem Jackson, a cornerback safety hybrid who can be dangerous when used correctly, effectively. Now, to wrap up our below-average teams, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Two big things res- resonated for the Bengals this offseason. Them releasing Vontae's perfect and re-signing Bobby Hart. The Bengals are hitching their wagon to the right tackle for at least another year in a move that did not go over well with fans. And the online struggled at times last season, and the right side alone combined for 25 penalties, while Hart had a team-leading 14. Meanwhile, Cincinnati left perfect despite signing him to an extension in 2017 and signaling it is finally ready to move on after their whole linebacker unit struggled in 2018. So considering that overall this offseason, the key additions have been John Miller at guard, B.W. Webb at cornerback, and Kerry Wynn on the defensive line. But they lost Vontae's perfect at linebacker and Tyler Croft at tight end. Now moving on to our average teams. Let's go with the Washington Redskins. Their most impactful move that, you know, they've long needed a safety who can be a major contributor. You know, they haven't had a good one since Sean Taylor, and he's been out of the league for a while. A while's an understatement. Landon Collins is the guy they need, and he'll provide a major boost to their run defense. He's also an excellent tacker, tackler and will be quite pivotal in the meeting room, something else the team needs in the secondary. Washington needs to use him properly in coverage, which is something that was not his strength in New York, but he does have skills that help in various coverages as well. So overall, the Redskins were able to pick up Landon Collins at safety, Eric Flowers at guard, and DRC at cornerback. So their secondary is looking a lot better. However, they lost Preston Smith at linebacker, Jameson Crowder at receiver, and HaHa Clinton Dix at safety. So while they did lose Clinton Dix, they were able to pick up two people back, which is why I give them a grade of average for this offseason so far. Tennessee Titans picked up Roger Saffold, who instantly upgrades their offensive line and provides a player who fits the physical mindset that Mike Vrabel needs. Teaming up on the left side with Taylor Lewin should bode well for Derrick Henry, who seems to get his best results when he runs to the left. Overall, they were able to add Roger Saffold, Adam Humphreys at receiver, and Tannehill at quarterback. However, they lost Derrick Morgan in a great edge rusher, Quinton Spain at left guard, and Jonathan Cyprin at safety. Now, move it over to the west coast with the san francisco 49ers the niners have been desperate for a dynamic edge rusher since alden smith left in 2014 and i think they've found it by trading for and signing defensive end d ford it took a 2020 second round pick and a pretty lucrative contract almost 90 million to make it happen just quite a big bet on a player who's had one dominant season and a history of back issues on his resume however It was a risk worth taking given his ability to make game-altering plays. Last season, he led the NFL in turnovers forced by pressure with 10 according to next-gen stats. Enough said. Overall, the key additions were D. Ford at defensive end, Quan Alexander at linebacker, Tevin Coleman at running back, and Jason Barrett at cornerback. But they did lose Cassius Marsh, one of their best defensive ends. Now... I collaborated with one of my friends on making this list, and this is one place where we do not agree. He 
gave the Steelers an average offseason, but I personally think they had the worst offseason of any team. Now, they were able to sign Steven Nelson, a cornerback, to a three-year $25.5 million deal, so they have a starter opposite Joe Hayden, and they had a salary cap space to make this move because they did not franchise tag Le'Veon Bell. As the Steelers lost Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Jesse James this year. The only guy left who is good on that offense is Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he, they just got Dante Moncrief. Well, and Juju's there, I guess. But unless Moncrief plays the X slot, then Juju has to play, Juju Smith-Schuster has to play the X wide receiver. When he played in the slot last year, he didn't play against any good cornerbacks. He has never lined up against Pat Pete. He's never lined up against DRC. He's never lined up against Richard Sherman. And Moncrief isn't good enough or even tall enough, I think. Here, let me look up his height real quick. Dante Moncrief. And I'm sorry, Drew, that I'm completely ruining your list here. But, you know, the Steelers have to be considered one of the... Dante Moncrief is 6'2". So he could play the X-wide receiver slot. But 6'2 isn't really that tall. And let's now look up how tall Juju is. Juju Smith-Schuster is 6 foot 1. Dante Moncrief can't play the X slot. So right now Juju's the one lining up against all these receivers. This is not something that's going to work for the Steelers. And this is why they need to be considered a worse team. But I don't get it. Maybe my friend's just biased. He hates the Steelers. But we're going to have to leave them at average because this is our average collaborative list. Moving on to the New Orleans Saints. Finally, they signed Jared Cook, arguably filling their most glaring need. They really needed another pass catcher to flank Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Last season, their tight end ranked third on the team with 35 catches, and he's retired. While Jared Cook turns 32 next week, he is coming off the best season of his career and his first Pro Bowl appearance. Overall, they picked up Jared Cook at tight end, Malcolm Brown at defensive tackle, Latavius Murray at running back, and Nick Easton, who can play center or guard. However, they lost Max Unger. Unger or Unger? I don't know which one it is. I haven't looked at his career. Let's say, Un- Let's say Unger. Max Unger, who retired, played center. They lost Mark Ingram. However, they did get Latavius Murray, so that need was filled. And they lost Alex Okafor, leaving an empty spot defensive end. Now, another average team, the New England Patriots. They never have exciting off-seasons, but they still make it to the Super Bowl every year. So, probably their most impactful move was re-signing Jason McCourty, who made one of the key plays in Super Bowl 53 by batting away a would-be touchdown in the end zone. He returns on a two-year deal with a base value of $10 million that can increase to $11 million, which bolsters what is arguably the deepest position group on the team, the cornerbacks, as they have Jason McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, Duke Dawson, and Keon Crossan. I can't say anything else about their corners. It is insane. Sorry, I need to get a drink really quick. Alright. They picked up Philip Dorsett at wide receiver to... Let's see, who was the guy who left? I forgot. I think... Yeah, Amendola. No, not Amendola. He left before. Chris Hogan. I believe Chris Hogan isn't on the Patriots anymore. So, assuming he is, they filled that hole with Philip Dorsett. 
picked up Mike Pennell to play defensive tackle and John Simon at outside linebacker. However, they lost Trent Brown at offensive tackle, Trey Flowers at defensive end, and Corderell Patterson, one of the fastest kick returners in the league right now. Our next team, the Los Angeles Rams. On the top end of the average teams, they did not use the franchise. The only reason they aren't in the exceptional tier is because they did not use the franchise tag on Dante Fowler. And they were able to sign him for a one-year prove-it deal worth up to $12 million, which will probably keep his price from going up in free agency and keep a key playmaker in uh, Wade Phillips' 3-4 scheme. However, because he didn't use the franchise tag, you know they may not get him next year. But anyways, moving on from that, they also picked up, and this is what almost, almost, almost gets them into the exceptional tier. They picked up Eric Weddle at safety and Clay Matthews at linebacker. They have one of the most stacked defenses of all time. However, they did lose Ndamukong Sue on that team, and they lost Roger Saffold and John Sullivan, two of their linemen. But the Rams are still... You can hardly say they're looking up. They made it to the Super Bowl last year, but they're still managing to look up. Moving on to the Chargers, who had an average offseason. Although he is 36 years old, and this is one part I don't understand, the Chargers believe Thomas Davis has productive snaps in his future as they sign into a two-year 10 and a half. I can't even read this without laughing. A two-year... And a half million dollar deal with 5.25 million guaranteed. He is the starting weak side linebacker, and he'll be counted on to improve their leaky run D, along with adding a veteran voice to a young but talented linebacker core, including Denzel Perryman, Jatavis Brown, and Kaiser White. They picked up Thomas Davis, and they picked up Tyrod Taylor to play backup quarterback. However, and this is another place where my friend and I disagree. He had them at the exceptional tier, but they deserve to be lower. They picked up Thomas Davis and Tyrod, but they lost Tyrell Williams. The I would say he's the second receiver on the team. Darius Fillin. Filin? Fillin? I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name either. I'm sorry. He is a defensive tackle. And they lost Jason Verrett, their second cornerback. Or he probably was the first at the beginning of the year, but then Denzel Ward was amazing. Wait, no, does... Is that his name? Denzel Warden? Right? No, it's not. Who's the Chargers guy? I think he was a rookie this year, and he did really well. I forgot his name. I'm looking it up right now. On their... Checking their depth chart. Come on, defense, defense. Derwin James, that's... Oh, he's not even a cornerback. Casey Hayward, that's the guy I was thinking. Desmond King. Casey Hayward and Desmond King. There we go. Either way, let's move on to the next team. The Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Tyron Matthew will be key to making their move to a 4-3 defense work. They traded one of their best pass pass rushers when he's about to head into the prime of his career as they had doubts about his ability to play in the new scheme. But will they be able to replace his 13 sacks he gave the team last year? I don't know. They picked up Tyron Matthew, Carlos Hyde at running back, and Bashad Breland at cornerback to bolster that secondary. However, they lost Eric Berry, who I believe has played on the Chiefs his whole career. Rest in peace, Eric Berry. We know and love you. D Ford at linebacker, 
and Justin Houston at linebacker. So they lost some big names. Now, while they did not make it into the top tier, they're still one of the average teams. Next is the Indianapolis Colts, who didn't lose anyone significant. They waited until the second move of free agency before addressing their need for a pass rusher by signing Justin Houston, who we just talked about, to a two-year, $24 million contract. He's going to transition to defensive end with the Colts, and he has had 78 and a half sacks over his career. His experience and ability to get to the quarterback will help the Colts' young but promising group of pass rushers tremendously. While in, a, in addition to Justin Houston, who will play defensive end for them, they picked up Devin Funches at wide receiver to go um, across from T.Y. Hilton. Not the Lions, they had a pretty good um, free agency. However, they're not one of the exceptional teams. So let's look. They need a consistent pass rush help for the past few seasons. So Detroit brought in Trey Flowers, a player who knows Matt Patricia's system pretty well. Plus he has a plan for how to use Flowers as he's done it before. This is considered near perfection, or is not considered near perfection because of the cost. They just gave $56 million guaranteed to a player who has never had a double-digit sack season. But in addition to Trey Flowers, they added Justin Coleman at cornerback and Jesse James at tight end. However, they lost Ezekiel Anza, Glover Quinn, Nevin Lawson, and TJ Lyon. Good, but not great. Now the Denver Broncos. Kind of an interesting team this year. When you make a guy the league's highest paid player at his position as the Broncos did with Jawan James, it's a clear message about how much you need him and what you think of his potential, as they paid him four years, $51 million. They have to be right about him, who's 26 years old, and he will need to stay healthy. It's a position the Broncos have tried to fill for years. And in addition to Jawan James, they picked up Kareem Jackson at cornerback and Bryce Callahan at cornerback. However, they lost the linebacker, not the receiver, linebacker Brandon Marshall, Jared Vildier at offensive tackle, and Bradley Roby at cornerback. The Cowboys. After losing Cole Beasley to the Bills, the Cowboys made a pretty good recovery in adding Randall Cobb to fulfill some of that production at a lower cost. He has been injured in recent years, but if he can stay healthy, he will be a vital part of the offense for Dak Prescott. Nobody caught more passes from him than Beasley in three seasons. If Cobb can be as friendly to the quarterback and have more flexibility to play outside, their offense could explode as it will allow them to move Amari Cooper around. They brought back Jason Witten, who came out of retirement after one season of uh, commentating. They, As I said, they picked up Randall Cobb, and they picked up Georgia Lokett to play safety. However, they lost Cole Beasley, they lost Jeff Swaim at tight end, and Damian Wilson at linebacker. Next, the Chicago Bears. They were able to sign HaHa Clinton Dix to a reasonable contract, one year $3.5 million, to, de- to replace Adrian Amos. Amos was guaranteed $12 million to sign and will get $20 million from the Packers over the next two seasons. Clinton Dix has been a Pro Bowl player and he can be a much cheaper playmaking safety. In addition to Clinton Dix, they picked up Cordero Patterson at receiver and Buster Skrine at quarterback. However, they lost Bryce Callahan at cornerback in addition, in addition to Adrian Amos. The Baltimore Ravens also made some big moves. They picked up Earl Thomas, who's their best ball hawk since Ed Reed left after the 2012 season. A six-time Pro Bowl defender, Thomas has drawn comparisons to Reed throughout his career because of his great range. The Ravens GM, Eric DaCosta, emphasized the need for getting playmakers 
and Thomas' 28 interceptions ranked third in the NFL since he entered the league in 2010. In addition to Earl Thomas, the Ravens picked up Mark Ingram, Justin Be- and Be- sorry, and Justin Bethel to play special teams and cornerback. However, they lost C.J. Mosley at middle linebacker, Terrell Suggs at outside linebacker, and Zadarius Smith at outside linebacker. They don't have any great starting linebackers anymore. So the Ravens secondary will have to come up huge if they're going to do all this next season. But, coming up next, the Atlanta Falcons. Their most impactful move was picking up James Carpenter, the 6'5", 321-pound machine is known to be as tough as nails and has 97 games of starting experience. He has said in the past he prefers a gap scheme over his own scheme and the Falcons will probably mix it up under Dirk Ketter and run more power with Carpenter and another newcomer Justin Brown. Or sorry not Justin, Jamin Brown. He will be an instant upgrade over last year's starter, Wes Schweitzer. And the Falcons really needed to upgrade this line to protect Matt Ryan and fare better in short yardage situations. In addition to Carpenter and Brown, the Falcons were able to pick up Luke Stalker at tight end or fullback. And also, sadly, they lo- I'm sorry, I'm not recording well today. They lost Matt Bryant, Tevin Coleman, and Bruce Urban. Our next team. Now, after this team, if your team has not been talked about, they had a pretty dang good free agency. So good for you. This team is the Arizona Cardinals. Their most impactful move was signing Robert Alford, which fills a significant void opposite Pat Pete at corner, and this has been a position of concern for them for the past few seasons. Alford stops a carousel of corners since Jared Powers retired almost two years ago, at least for the time being. While he might not end up being the long-term answer at the position, he will definitely provide the Cardinals a solution for this season and potentially in 2020. While the while they were able to add Robert Alford, they also added two key linebackers in Terrell Suggs and Jordan Hicks. However, they lost two linebackers in Dion Buchanan and Marcus Golden. Now, starting on the on the what was the word I picked for these guys? The near perfection teams. There's about seven or eight of them. First, the Oakland Raiders. Trading for Antonio Brown and giving up only third and fifth round picks for an, for an all-pro receiver. There's not much else to say. I'm sure Mr. Big Chest comes with some baggage from his unseemly exit from Pittsburgh, but he will be a consistent deep threat for the Raiders that will only help Derek Carr. He is a playmaker that John Gruden and the staff have been waiting for, and on his best, beha- best behavior in this honeymoon period, Brown has already started working out with Derek Carr. In addition to Antonio Brown, the Raiders also picked up Trent Brown, an offensive tackle, Fonte's perfect at linebacker, and LaMarcus Joyner at free safety. However, they lost... Sorry, I had to pause the recording really quick. They lost Jared Cook at tight end, Kalechi Assembly at left guard, and John Feliciano at offensive line. At the... Sorry. At... John Feliciano, the offensive lineman. Next, the New York Jets. Running back Le'Veon Bell was a home run signing for this team as he can be a legitimate game changer on offense, and the Jets haven't had one of those since 2015. His dual threat ability should make things much easier for Sam Darnold. His price is big as he is making $13.1 million on average per year, but not crazy big. This near perfection grade is based on a best case scenario for this team. 
In addition to Le'Veon Bell, they picked up C.J. Mosley at middle linebacker, Jameson Crowder at receiver, and Kelechi Osemele at left guard. However, they lost Jason Myers at place kicker, Andre Roberts at kick returner, and Buster Scrine at cornerback. Next, the Jacksonville Jaguars. For the Jaguars to return to the postseason this year, they needed to make a change at quarterback. And signing Nick Foles was the move they absolutely had to make. Foles might not be an elite, might not be an elite quarterback, but his consistency will make the offense significantly better. The Jaguars never knew what they were getting each week with Bortles, and the offense was borderline non-functional when he was bad. Foles was the only major free agent the Jaguars signed, but that alone made free agency a home run for them. In addition to Nick Foles, they signed Chris Conley at wide receiver and Jeff Swaim at tight end. However, they lost Malik Jackson at defensive tackle, Dante Moncrief at receiver, and Deshaun Gibson at safety. Next, the Green Bay Packers, my favorite team. Two moves, actually, that happened within minutes of each other that were the most impactful. By signing Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith on the same morning early in free agency, the Packers truly revamped their outside pass rush. They essentially replaced aging stars Clay Matthew and Nick Perry with a pair of reliable 26-year-old players who may have their best football in front of them. While Matthews and Perry have battled injuries, the Smiths have a track record of reliability, which should give Mike Patine more flexibility with his defensive calls. In addition to the Smiths, the Green Bay Packers also picked up Adrian Amos to play safety. However, they, they lost Clay Matthews at outside linebacker, Randall Cobb at wide receiver, and Rashad, sorry, not Rashad, Bushad Breland at cornerback. Next, we have Cleveland Browns, the team everyone's been waiting for. It would not be fair to assess the Browns' moves this season, this offseason, without including the blockbuster trade that changed the nature of the team and the AFC North. The acquisition of Odell Beckham Jr. was a dynamic move to acquire a dynamic player and help Baker Mayfield. Beckham joins an offense that also includes his good friend Jarvis Landry at receiver, David Njoku at tight end, and running backs Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and after his eight-game suspension ends, Kareem Hunt. It's an offense that should have the Browns contending to win the division and advance in the playoffs. The Browns were able to pick up Odell, Sheldon Richardson at defensive tackle, and Olivier Vernon at defensive end. However, they lost Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Rashad Perryman at receiver, and this one this name's kind of hard to pronounce, Brian Body Calhoun at cornerback. Second to last, we have the Carolina Panthers. Them signing arguably the best available center in Matt Paradis to replace retired Pro Bowler Ryan Khalil was huge. He has the experience to replace Khalil's leadership and is highly regarded in pass protection. Both are key for quarterback Cam Newton to be effective. With limited salary cap space, general manager Marty Herney made the most of his budget in getting Paradis, resigning Daryl Williams and signing an edge rusher in Bruce Irvin. They, in addition to signing Paradis, they signed Bruce Irvin at defensive end, who I just said, but I have him listed separately, and Daryl Williams at offensive tackle. They ended up losing Matt Khalil at left tackle, Thomas Davis at outside linebacker, Devin Funch at receiver. Now, there's probably two people listening who are excited for this team being what I consider the best team as free agency. But the Buffalo Bills had the best free agency this season. They made Chiefs center Mitch Morse the highest paid in the NFL at his position, signing him to a four-year deal that averages $11.1 million per season, and he's expected to anchor an offensive line that could have as many as four new starters in 2019 under new O-line coach Bobby Johnson. 
Buffalo is really hoping that their offensive line can protect Josh Allen better in his second season while paving the way for a revival of LaShawn McCoy's career. In addition to Mitch Morse, the Bills added John Brown at receiver and Cole Beasley at wide receiver. They lost John Miller at guard, but that was their only key subtraction this offseason. And that is all 32 NFL teams. This free agency period has contained some highlights, or some lowlights for some teams, spanning trades for quarterbacks, movement of veteran safeties, and addition of top two receivers. So, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I will talk about basketball and boxing in other episodes, but considering free agency just got, you know, finished, obviously people can still be signed, but all the major targets are dealt with. Oh, retirement. Rob Gronkowski retired on Sunday. I'm recording this on a Thursday. I'm probably releasing it on a Friday or Saturday. Rob Gronkowski retired on on Sunday, leaving the Patriots in an interesting spot. Many people have said that this has been the beginning of the fall for years, but I think it truly is now as they have lost one of their key members. You know, receivers have shifted, linemen have shifted, even running backs have shifted, the whole defense has shifted. But Tom Brady and Gronk have been there through, I believe. Gronk has played for nine years. So he's been playing since 2011 or 2010, and Brady has been there for about six or seven years before that. So considering that one of these two keystone players is gone, I believe the Patriots are truly falling off now. But anyways, um, thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. As I said before, I will be talking about basketball and boxing in other episodes, but because NFL free agency, all the big guys just got signed and all come together i figured i'd make one episode for it we may have our podcast later this one i believe is just over 30 minutes but i really hope you enjoyed um this has been dj stacks with just another sports podcast if you're interested in following my band on instagram you can check us out at burnout 35 underscore band that's burnout 35 underscore band and once we drop our album may 25th we'll be recording music videos to put on our youtube channel at burnout 35 official so if you want to check out our music which we don't you can wait for our album on may 25th we're releasing a cover album we have a bunch of hard rock stuff if you're interested in that and if you just want another episode um email us at burnout35business at gmail.com and let me know if you you what you want to hear me talk about are there any particular stories and even another sport that you really want to hear about so Thank you very much for listening. If you're still here, shout out to you, and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.